My first customer happened to be U.S. Special Forces. Why is PCI such a you know a big topic and big domain in your life? And looking back, that to me is kind of the biggest hack that I ever did. We formed a small team that ultimately became known as the first NSA Red Team. They kind of begrudgingly said, well, we'll let you do this, but don't ever do this again. Who says tech can't be human? What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to the show. Glad to be back again. We have a certified triple, triple, triple OG today with us. We have Jeff Mann, our special guest for today. Jeff is Senior Information Security Consultant at Online Business Systems. And did I mention triple, triple, triple OG? Thank you so much for jumping on the mics with us. And most importantly, welcome to the podcast. Hey, I'm excited to be doing this with you guys. Uh, this is a long overdue conversation. We've been mm-hmm. talking about doing this for, seems like forever. So I'm glad we're finally pulling it off. It does seem like forever. We got to go way back, back in the time to the very beginning. Cause you, like Ron said, triple OG, mm-hmm. I think you invented computers. No, I'm just kidding. You didn't <laughs> invent computers, but you probably did some of the first exercises with computers at that stage of your career. Take us back to the beginning a little bit. Tell us about that first entrance into dealing with computers and some of the accolades you've done since then. Yeah. So my first computer was an abacus. Uh, (laughs) I mean, really, when I started working and uh, especially my first real job, which was at some place called the National Security Agency, I started there in 1986. And yeah, you know, the computer that I had was a, an IBM desktop PC. If memory serves, it didn't even have a hard drive, the first one I had. And then, you know, a year into it, we got a new IBM PC that had a, wait for it, a 10 megabyte hard drive. And we were all like amazed, like, how are we ever going to fill this thing up? You know, <laughs> yeah. there's just so much storage space. And, and this was pre-Windows days. It was just a, you know, DOS, MS-DOS operating system. The internet existed, but it wasn't really publicly accessible. It was mostly the government. Uh, so I, I might have had access to something like that. But we didn't call it the internet. We had cool other names for it. And it was pretty much... Uh, you know, government installations talking to maybe a few research universities throughout the country and so on and so forth. My first customer happened to be U.S. Special Forces and they, uh, they were in, they used what was called a one-time pad and you would write out your message one letter at a time and then use some sort of algorithm to come up with a cipher letter. They would memorize these three letter combinations and, and so they could do the encryption and decryption in, in their heads and, and do it fairly mm. quickly. The memory crypto system that I was charged with was my very first project charged with coming up with a replacement memory system in case they're on the run and they have to drop their packs. And I thought, you know, I've just learned about, you know, crypto, the classic cryptography, the history of cryptography, cipher wheels are a thing. There ought to be a a way to make a wheel and and do this. So we ended up making uh, NSA made 15,000 of these little cipher wheels, which came to be known as the whiz wheel by U.S. Special Forces, distributed Mm. to them. They used it for like 10 or 12 years. 
in the last couple of years, I've met some guys that were former Green Berets that remembered using it. And they're like, oh, my gosh, you're the guy that invented that. That was a lifesaver. Got me into um, membership as a, as a civilian, honorary lifetime membership in Special Forces Association. And and this is the, the hot off the presses news uh, that I was going to let you know, share with you guys. Just yesterday, I, I, w- I went and met with the director of the National Cryptologic Museum, and I presented them with a, a, a production copy of the Whiz Wheel. And they are going to create a display about this. And they're, th- they're thinking it'll be on display by the fall, uh, as early as oh, the fall. So I'm going to be in a museum or, or something that I invented is going to be in, in a museum. You hear, you heard it here first heard on Hacker here. Valley. Heard. So that's my first OG. Second OG was uh, also at the same time or around the same time, I had another client come to me. They were handlers of people that had, that had been recruited by spies. This was still the Cold War. And they uh, they had that same IBM PC sitting on their desk, and they were communicating again with a one-time pad. Uh, the guys that were the recruits, they were using the little teeny tiny ones that could hide in the heel of your shoe. And when you, when you uh, were u- used up a page you literally ate it because it was made with Mm. rice paper Mm. but the guys in the office the handlers they had a much larger uh, uh, version of the pad but they were complaining that it took them hours and hours to do the encryption and the decryption because they were doing like situation reports and you know what these people are observing but they're like there's this pc on our desk isn't there any way we could use that to do the encryption and, and speed it up and me being sort of young and naive and new i'm like well yeah that makes sense we should do that so i ended up you know designing a system where and the, and the key to it was the the one time pad key we had to figure out a way to put it on a floppy disk and it ended up be, being on a three and a half inch floppy uh, i had to go through this whole engineering design process that was tailored to hardware frankly uh there was a chief scientist at nsa at the time that i remember saying well there's really no such thing as software it's all hardware and looking back that to me is kind of the biggest hack that i ever did i was able to push a software-based crypto system out the door at nsa it was approved by management and all that kind of stuff and literally when they did the final approval process they kind of begrudgingly said well we'll let you do this but don't ever do this again as near as i can figure out and i talked to a lot of people that I used to work with, a lot of NSA alumni, it was the first software-based encryption system that NSA ever fielded. This was actually fielded. Paper in the one side, a floppy disk, and a computer program on the other side. And uh, it, it might actually be, looking back on it, the only time they ever really produced a software-based system because they really weren't into that. The, the most pivotal date in our history was not August 29th, 1997, which if you, if you don't know that day off the top of your head, that was the day that Sky, Skynet became self-aware. Yeah. Um, the, the, the real pivotal date was much earlier than that. And, and this was real. It was January 23rd, 1993. Do you know what happened on January 23rd, 1993? That was the day that the first publicly available web browser was published. Uh, it was a, a web browser called Mosaic. Put, by, mm-hmm. put out by the N- NCSA. Don't even remember what it stands for. And that really literally changed the world because that's what put the internet out, internet out in front of everybody and made, right. made it publicly available. And, you know, 30 years later, this is where we are all because the worldwide web was invented and, and web surfing became a thing. Somebody very smart at NSA realized the way that we often would exploit 
our adversaries systems is we would take advantage of the fact that they didn't use them properly. Like they, they wouldn't change default settings or they would uh, use very easy settings that, you know, in terms of authorization, or they would find ways to bypass the cryptographic portions of a system. We called it networked systems at the time or distributed mm-hmm. systems. And so a small group of us started thinking, Hey, you know, there's this movie war games. There's this movie sneakers that came out, mm-hmm. you know, recently. Let's try to figure out how to break into computers and networks over the internet or, you know, over the network. And so we, we formed a small team that, uh, ultimately became known as the first NSA red team. So, okay. you know, that's my, that my third. Third OG, a wheel, software-based crypto system, and I was one of the the founders, pioneers of what came to be known as the NSA Red Team. There we go, triple O to the G. That's what I'm talking about. (laughs) And speaking of that, I mean, let's talk a little bit about the Red Team, the first Red Team at the NSA. I had a few people that have gone through, you know, iteration sense of the the red team that you formed there mm-hmm. obviously when you started to pull folks together they were probably a ragtag bunch of folks that just love to tinker but tell us a little bit about the formation of the red team how did you pull folks together how did you standardize it that that sort of thing because we were doing something that was new and different nsa was concerned management was concerned because we were doing something that and we didn't realize it at the time was sort of um not just cutting edge and, and sort of outside of NSA's comfort zone, being a very large bureaucratic, conservatively run organization, very clandestine and super secret, not wanting to do anything edgy and, mm-hmm. and out, you know, getting too out far out in front of their skis type of things. We did have to very quickly talk to the, to the legal folks, the general counsel and, and try to come up with a way of reasonably signing up our clients and, and reasonably, de- reasonably quickly delivering our services because in the early days to get permission to attempt to break into somebody else's network or to try to get on somebody else's server we had to get all sorts of permissions from all sorts of levels of management up our management chain across over and down their management chain which was done on paper being passed from person to person secretary to secretary a process that would take days if not weeks and sometimes months and we even wanted had to do that process if we just wanted to kind of probe a network to see what was there to see what we could reach you know just doing innocuous things like a port scan or even just a ping command which was a mm-hmm. you know that was a, a unix function that was built into the operating system everybody in the world that had a unix operating system had the ping command but if we wanted to execute the ping command because we were targeting a classified system the the lawyers decided because ping elicited a response from the target it had to be classified as an act of attack Therefore, we before we could issue the ping command, we had to wait two months to get all the written permission. So I very quickly being probably because I was the business major and, you know, had a little bit of at least education and how do you organize things. You had to come up with a methodology, had to come up with a way of conducting 
a, a red, and we didn't call it red teaming. We called it a penetration test, or we just said we were going to mm-hmm. break into your network or hack into your network. I think officially on paper, we called it a vulnerability and threat assessment. What I know is a pen test. That's all there was back then. Nowadays, there's right. pen testing and red teaming and blue teaming and purple teaming. And I'm like, yep. there's offense and defense, which I personally don't believe there's such a thing as offensive security, but that's another conversation. Um, well, we had to come up with the methodologies and there's a way to break in to a, a system or a network. You try to figure out what your targets are. You, uh, we, we called it reconnaissance because we were, you know, a military or surrogate military mm-hmm. organization. Um, Chris, I think you were, you're a Marine. If, if I, if I remember I that, you know, so you know what recon is. You go out and find what your targets are and you find what their strengths are and your weaknesses. You, you probe them. You know, we were doing that electronically and then we'd pick our tar- targets. We'd p- t- pick our attack path. And then, you know, we do what we needed to do to cover our tracks and, and, and decide what our objectives were going to be. So much misunderstanding, even to this day, about what an, an objective of a pendant should be. Uh, are you trying to steal data? Are you trying to gain access? Are you trying to knock them offline? You know, what we, what came to be known as denial of service, you know, and, and this was all built, uh, you know, we're a government DOD organization. So a lot of our methodology was built out of a, a military mindset. And in fact, a lot of internet security, which is what we called it back in those days, was built on a military mindset. You know, organizations had networks and they were inside physical walls. And so they were protected Mm -hmm. quite naturally with physical barriers. But then they Mm -hmm. started plugging it into this universal background called the internet, which in early network diagrams was depicted as a cloud. And it was depicted Mm -hmm. as a cloud because nobody knows what goes on in a cloud. You know, if you're a pilot, you'd fly into a cloud, you can't see anything. You don't know what's in there. So it was a very apt depiction of the wild, wild west, this great unknown, all the evil that lurks is out there in this cloud. And and that's where they're going to come from. And that's what we need to protect against. There, There just wasn't that much out there. So we had to dream it up as we went along and and because I was the business major and wasn't the gearhead engineer, computer scientist, like my teammates, that sort of fell to me. And and that's, that was kind of my role at the time. We have some news to share with you, a member of the Hacker Valley media family. As of 2023, we became a full-time independent cybersecurity media company, and we're committed to bringing you the most powerful thought-provoking stories in the field of cybersecurity. And we learn we can't do it alone. We'd love to invite you to our exclusive Patreon community where we host a monthly mastermind where you can meet like-minded individuals in the field of cybersecurity that are trying to be more creative and be the best version of themselves that they can be. We would love if you took a second and visited patreon.com forward slash Hacker Valley Studio and we'll see you in the mastermind. You know what, when we spoke uh, as well, you said that you spent a lot of time doing more engagements, like not only at the NSA, but you spent time consulting and you're now a consultant today. And Mm -hmm. one of the challenges or one of the opportunities really that we could all benefit from is looking at something like PCI, especially if you are an organization that is processing payments. Uh, why is PCI such a you know a big topic and big domain in your life? And is there any relation to the you know things that you did as a red teamer for the NSA there? 
there came a time when I left NSA and the reasons are another story for another day. Uh, but I part went out two. into the <laughs> part two, three or four, but I went out into the private sector with a desire to keep doing what I've learned to do, which is let's, let's try to educate companies and organizations on the need for security programs, information. And again, we called it at the time, internet security. So let's say cybersecurity, hire us to do a pen test. We'll do a vulnerability assessment. We'll tell you what all your problems are. And then you go fix the problems and you'll be good. Uh, again, a methodology that's followed to this day. And if you ask most pen testers, red teamers, what frustrates them, it's that they come back six months later, 12 months later, and they get in the exact same way, the exact same, same mm-hmm. attack method that they used still there the patches that they said needed to be installed the outdated systems still there and literally right about the time where i decided this was in 2004 i, I want to try something different this thing called the pci data security standard was published i was handed the first draft of the pci data security standard and said here read this this is what we're going to do and i read through it and i'm like this is actually makes a whole lot of sense. It, it, it starts with six goals and the goals are uh, build a secure network. The second uh, major goal of PCI is to protect your data. And they do that in requirements three and four data at rest or data in transit. The, the third element is to keep it all secure. And that's where you're uh, setting up in those days, antivirus, anti-malware protections. Now it's ransomware protections, much more endpoint protections, all the buzzwords that we have for all that kind of stuff these days. The the fourth one is uh, protecting the, sort of the physical security of the data in, in terms of, um, you know, when it used to be in a data center, but also in, in, with the idea of access control, who has access, need to know privileges. That's a fourth goal. The fifth goal is to do all the security things. And then the sixth goal is finally is have it all written down. And I'm like, that makes yeah. perfect sense. Everybody should do this. And, and what was the, the beauty of PCI in those days and, and somewhat to this day is, um, you didn't have to have the argument with your clients of, well, we don't want to do that. We've got all sorts of other agendas and issues and we don't have budget and it's hard. And, you know, I was like, well, I'm sorry. This is pass or fail. Either you're doing it and you're not and you're perfectly welcome to not do it, but then you can't use Visa and MasterCard and American Express to, yep. to take, you know, payment for the goods and services that you're selling. So it was for me, it was kind of a convenient way to get a, a an audience that couldn't turn me away. But I've, I've, and I've been doing PCI for almost 20 years now, which is scary. But, um, I, and I think I've enjoyed a fair amount of success in terms of, uh, teaching my clients the basics of security, why it matters, how it all works together, these seemingly random requirements that you'll find in PCI or any security framework for that matter. But again, it's, it's just yeah. an overview of, this is how you should do information cybersecurity in an organization to protect what you care about. PCI is specific to a specific kind of data that it universally applies to anything. If you're smart enough to, you know, expand your horizons to say, Oh, we could use this to protect PII or, or we've mm-hmm. got, we've got research data and, you know, we're trying to build a new thing. Why don't, and that's sensitive for us. Why don't we apply these rules to protect that over there? You've been a part of so many firsts and driven a lot of firsts in the, the history of cybersecurity. And I mean, somebody's probably going to make a, a, a documentary or a story about your life just because you were there at a lot of crucial points 
in cybersecurity, the internet. What do you have for a piece of advice for the people that are in the same spot that you were so many years ago, right? There's definitely a huge change. People are focused on AI, mm -hmm. the technology is different. We have the cloud. What do you think you would tell those folks today that would help them be just as impactful as you have been in your career? Definitely try to expose yourself to as much as possible. Be curious. Don't be afraid to ask questions. Don't assume that everybody knows how everything works because it turns out most people don't. They just know how to push the button and they know that what the mm -hmm. result's supposed to be. I mean, in, in the early, you know, like when I was coming up with the wheel, I had to find, uh, five, six, seven different eight groups or offices at NSA that were all involved in building a thing. I actually physically went to these places and found the people and walked up to their desk. Hi, I'm so-and-so. I understand you do this. Could you explain what you do? Are you the right person? In, in having a conversation with somebody telling me about their job, I can tell them then what they're doing right and wrong and, and what the likely exposures are in terms of bad processes and stuff like that. But that it's all tied to interact and have a curiosity and just, you know, engage people to, to find out what they do. And for people that are trying to get into this industry, I try to encourage them to do that because it's a pretty big industry. There's a lot of different things. We prop up red teamers as, you know, that's the ultimate or, you know, the, you should want to be a CISO someday or you should want to be an entrepreneur someday. But there's so many different things you can do. And, and I, I tell people, uh, try to expose yourself to as much as you can if you're, and, and try to find out what you're, what you like doing. And, and also look for what you seem to have an aptitude or, you know, an innate ability to either do it already or it's something you think you could learn or get really good at. And if you're really lucky, both of those things are the same thing. And then you found your spot. So that's sort of on the front end. The other thing, you know, looking back on my life, uh, I would say, I think there's still lessons to be learned from the history, which is one of the reasons why I keep talking. And I think words matter and I think words have meaning. And I, I think if people understand the classic nature of defense and how it was applied to internet security, cybersecurity, uh, people can begin to understand how it's being abused and misused. Jeff, thank you so much for taking some time out of your busy day to jump on the mics with us. For anyone that wants to stay up to date with Jeff Mann and all of the great things that this triple OG has going on in the past or future, we dropped his links into the show notes and description wherever you're listening or watching. And with that, we'll see everyone next time.